Listener Production. Before we start, a warning. What you're about to hear involves sexual abuse against children. Listener discretion is advised. Some details have been changed to protect the identities of victim survivors. Police have also obscured some methodologies used to catch child abuse perpetrators so as to not compromise ongoing investigations. It's 2014. Task Force Argos is closing the noose around Ski's neck. A single word, a greeting, has tripped him up. They now have a real name and an address for the boastful boss of the notorious child abuse network, The Love Zone. His name is Shannon McCool. He's in South Australia and on his Facebook page, victim ID specialist Paul Griffiths has seen a disturbing detail. McCool says he works in childcare. And I just thought, yep, that's why this guy's got access to so many children because we'd already established through reviewing the material that there were at least seven different victims in the images. And I just couldn't work out how someone would have access to that many kids. There are so many reasons why Argos needs this scalp. That he's a heinous offender is one thing, but Argos boss John Rouse wants to send a message. A message to online child abusers everywhere. We will do whatever it takes to find you. Sometimes sending that shudder of fear and making sure that they live with the level of paranoia that they deserve is warranted and knowing that we are coming for you and we are hunting you and we are a much bigger network than you will ever be. And the law is on our side, as is the court of public opinion. We're not going away. John and his colleagues are about to take the most audacious step they've ever made in battling online predators. I'm Akim Dev. This is The Children in the Pictures. Episode 4, The Takeover. It's the 10th of June, 2014, on a South Australian winter's night. Local police are quietly assembled outside an unremarkable suburban Adelaide home. They're ready to execute the search warrant for Shannon McCool, a.k.a. Ski. Detective Steve Hegarty from the South Australian Police is waiting for instructions. A colleague starts briefing him. And he said, oh, we've got this job. It's a little bit different. It's about this guy running a site potentially here from SA. And, um, yeah, it sounds like it's, you know, not like anything we've seen. I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. Argos victim ID lead Paul Griffiths has briefed him on the case so far. Steve was really fresh. If he'd realised quite how big it was, I'm not sure he'd have been quite so eager. (laughs) Well, I got a call that a light had come on on his house and then a light came on and then a light went off and someone's gone, let's go. It's Steve Hegarty's job to run the raid on Ski's house. We had a number of officers with us. And we thought the best scenario was just for me to knock on the door. The local cops have been briefed about their target. 
Argos's global manhunt has led them here. To the door of a 32-year-old childcare worker. Steve Hegarty and his colleagues are trying hard to keep their cool. Very low-key, really calm, play it down. Um, I was going to sort of stand back a little bit in the shadows to a degree um, if you looked out the window and um, just very simply knocked on the door. And, um, yeah, he just kind of opened the door, sort of very unaware. To this day, I don't even know if he knew we were police, to be honest. McCool is a tallish, chubby guy with a goofy smile. The kind of guy that can easily blend into the background. <coughs> but right now, all eyes are on him. On the hold of a general search warrant. Steve walks in and restrains him. The police begin their interrogation. Video recording equipment has been activated. It's Tuesday the 10th of June 2014. Present and recording this record of interview is Detective Senior Constable First Class Stephen Hegarty. You're listening to the arrest tape. Shannon McCool has read his rights. Just, I want to just go over because I didn't have this running when we walked in, OK? Well, now I'm going to tell you you're not obliged to say anything. Anything you do say may be given in evidence, OK? Yep. All right? Do you understand what that caution means? Yeah. What does it mean to you? Uh, it means that I'm not obliged to say anything. Correct. OK. And obviously the That's McCall. He's being charged with crimes against seven different children. ...from this investigation. I'm just going to let know you're under arrest in relation to seven counts of unlawful sexual intercourse with the child believed to be under the age of seven years of age. You're also under arrest in relation to the production, dissemination and possession of child pornography. I caution you again, you're not obliged to say You know who I work for. Uh, Fontaine Sales, I'll ask you, who is it you actually work for at the moment? Uh, Families SA. Yeah, Okay. McCool says he works for Families SA. That's Families South Australia, the organisation that provides care to vulnerable children. And what's your current role there in Families? Child and youth worker. All right. Um, What does that role involve? Um, I look after kids that have been taken away from their parents. Okay. When I hear this, it's so depraved, I have a physical reaction. Shannon McCool is a residential care worker for vulnerable children. He has direct access to preschool-aged children. His access was quite frightening, and the more we dug into him and the more I dealt with him, the more I realised I don't think you could find anyone who'd immersed themselves in an environment where they would have contact with children. It was just phenomenal. Steve's a seasoned sex crimes investigator, but he's starting to understand This case is something completely different. Up till this point, Steve's never seen an encrypted online criminal network. But it's hardly his fault. For most people, the dark web, the encrypted Tor browser, it's all pretty fringe stuff. I I remember sitting in a briefing and coming out and actually Googling what Tor was and looking at Tor and how it worked because I had never even heard of the terminology before. I was starting to be briefed about TLZ. The Love Zone. Steve Hegarty is about to go down the rabbit hole. It just seemed like an alien concept. It was like a complete subculture that I had no knowledge about. Um, it didn't surprise me, but um, the magnitude of it as we went forward did surprise me. 
While Steve and local SA police are inside McCool's house, Argos investigators Paul Griffiths and Libor Yock are waiting anxiously outside. Now, just, just for my safety, all right, because obviously we've just walked in, I just need to just give you a pat-down search, make sure you've got nothing on you there. You've got no sharps or needles or drugs. After months of investigating McCool online, Paul and Libor have flown over from Queensland to be on site so they can get access to McCool's computer. The premises are secure. It's time to head in. By now, Libor has spent hundreds of hours watching Ski operate on the love zone, but it's still confronting to see the kingpin offline, face to face. In a way, he looked like what I've expected. Like, he had that sort of aura about himself. Like, he was sort of uh, this confident and so on. Initially, I mean, I didn't expect him to be as young. Paul and Libor act quickly. There's a lot at stake. They have to get to McCool's computer while it's still up and running so they can secure access to the hidden areas of the love zone while they still can. The worst case scenario is going to be that you get in there and he doesn't comply, he doesn't cooperate, everything's encrypted. Um, He's, as far as we know, in daily contact via other platforms with other members of the board who, when they don't receive that contact from him, immediately assume that something's wrong. They have to tread carefully. If Ski suddenly disappears from the site, it could alert others that the network has been infiltrated by law enforcement, causing a mass exodus as members retreat into the dark web, taking the clues that could reveal their victims with them. I'm allowed to make a phone call. The police let McCool make a phone call. Uh, how are you, mate? I, I need a lawyer for tonight. Uh, Shannon McCool. Just wait. The female police officer tells Steve Hegarty that McCool will need to change his pants because there's a cord, so it's a suicide risk. McCool is calling a lawyer out of the yellow pages. He's probably hoping that they'll get him on the relatively minor offence of possession of child exploitation material. Uh, I haven't been told yet. I'm still there, still conducting a search in my house. I think so. It's for child exploitation, so if you tell me now. In legal terms, there's a huge difference between possession and being the head of a global network that creates and distributes child exploitation material, or CEM. Paul Griffiths. I think he probably thought he'd slipped up at some point and he'd left an IP trace somewhere in relation to some files he'd downloaded or whatever and he's going to get caught for possession of CEM. McCool had closed his laptop before he'd opened the door to the police. And there was a bit of a Mexican standoff going on at the time because they were talking to him about the computer and he said it was his and he said it had a password on it and it had encryption on it. Toshiba laptop. What's the password in relation to that Toshiba? I can't answer that without a word, present. The hard drive on the side. The external hard drive is protected, is it? Can't answer that. And they asked him for the password and he said he wasn't saying anything until he'd spoken to a lawyer. He said, OK, fine. At which point the forensic guy just went over and lifted the lid up on the laptop. If that laptop doesn't fire up, the most vital areas of the love zone will remain hidden behind a wall of encryption. 
There's only one person with the passwords to let Argos into these encrypted drives. That would be McCool. And when he lifted the lid up on the laptop, it just came straight into Windows. <laughs> Mounted, decrypted, fully available, everything. <laughs> you know, it's one of those TV cop moments. It's not real life. What do you think was going through his head? Oh, shit, to be honest, <laughs> to be blunt. His world just crumbled at that point. I was still wanting to know I had the right guy. So I was very much, and I totally get Paul's um, view on it, he was 100% confident. Uh, and that very much gave me a lot of confidence in executing the warrant. Um, but, you know, I want the evidence, and that's what I wanted. And all the evidence is sitting there, right there on McCall's laptop. Hegarty asks him what's on it. What's on there, then? Everything that ruined my life and shouldn't ruin me. Did you hear that? McCool saying what's on his computer could, quote, ruin my life and shouldn't be on there. Boom. We then started having a conversation about how we were going to get stuff off there and, you know, he, he, he was probably, it was dawning on him a little bit more that he was going to have problems. With the laptop secured, now the Argos investigators want to be 100% sure that McCool is indeed the infamous Ski. Ski has continued to elude police by concealing his identity. But Paul Griffiths has one clue he believes that will put Ski's identity beyond question. Raid police asked McCool to hold out his hands. All right, we're doing a, uh, an examination and we'll explain that later for a procedure involving your hands and other parts of your body. Remember, Paul noticed a tiny detail about Ski who was always so careful not to reveal his face in the videos he shot. Ski has a freckle on one of his fingers. So um, we got him to hold his hands out in front of him and then one of the guys sort of pointed out and said, oh, yeah, there it is, there's the freckle. Your hand? Right hand, turn around, please. You can see a faint uh, freckle on the right ring finger. Can you see that? When we started wanting to look at his fingers and take photographs of freckles on his hands, that's when it dawned on him. You could see the colour draining from him. Steve Hegarty watches on in awe as the Argos team delivers confirmation. They have him. The real ski. A little bit more. Thank you. I've never had that as a line of inquiry before, put it that way. And that sort of attention to detail. And you know what? That's part of this. Um, that little freckle is massive evidence. But back then, as an investigator at the sex crime branch, I didn't necessarily see the weight of that or see how... Uh, how much I should take that into account. In that precise moment, Shannon McCool finally understands it's game over. He's behaved like a monster for a long time, but right now, the arresting officers are watching him have a very human reaction. You feeling all right? No. What's wrong? Just a bit shaky and... Light happened. OK. Nothing Then at one point, he started to throw up in the toilet, I had to go to the toilet. He realised then, I'm pretty sure, that we pretty much knew everything. It was a, a real deal. It's 8.58 and I'm turning off the recording. 
the boss of the world's largest child abuse network has been brought down. But now what? There are still children at risk and predators within the love zone who have active access to children. It's the moment Argos has to make a decision. Up till this point, they haven't been able to infiltrate the highest ranks of the love zone. But an extraordinary opportunity has fallen into their laps. Argos could take over the site entirely through Ski's account. It's an unprecedented chance to catch some of the most notorious child abusers in the world and save the children in the pictures. But any changes to Ski's account won't go unnoticed amongst the love zone elite. There's very little time and so much at stake. For John Rouse, the head of Task Force Argos, this opportunity is one step further than his team has ever gone before. Where do we go with this and what do we do? This is uncharted territory. What do we actually want to do at the end of this operation? And for me, I just wanted to make sure that that particular board did not surface again. So to achieve that, we really had to take the head off the snake. Sure, going in and pretending to be a user and sussing it all out is one thing, but taking over and running the site as a head admin, well, that's really quite something else. I mean, we now have full administrative access to the the board and we can see who all of the producers are. Uh, We can see all of the material that's been shared. So we've gone from VIP to head admin. So we're not going to miss that opportunity from a child protection stance. Because the task force is based in Queensland, they're able to work under a state law that allows police to engage in illegal activities. It's known as a controlled operation. Paul Griffiths. There's definitely a moral question in, uh, you know, whether or not it's right and how long someone should be in a position to run a board as law enforcement. There has to be an operational reason to do that and there has to be an achievable outcome. As Argos decides to take over the love zone, Adele Desir is at Interpol HQ in France processing material from previous busts. She doesn't know anything about their next move. Argos needs this level of secrecy, even from their international collaborators. News of the takeover has to stay out of the media at all costs to avoid tipping off other criminals. Uh, All I knew is that something was happening with that board, but I didn't know who, I didn't know what. These cases, they have to be kept very tight, very secure. Um, In Interpol, I don't really... We didn't have a role to play at that stage of the operation. Our role came afterwards with supporting the victim identification efforts out of the operation. Before that, we don't need to be involved. We don't need to know. Argos running a child exploitation site is as controversial as you think it would be, even in some police circles. Argos has been celebrated for its innovation, but there's been some criticism about their methods. And it's something I wanted to ask Adele about. Do you think it's morally right that law enforcement takes over and runs these boards? Is it morally right? I don't know, but it's, it's the only way. It's working. And I know that without this type of operation, there are so many victims that we don't even know about because they are exchanged, you know, they are shared in private parts of these boards. You have the public part, but you have all the private parts as well. And the only way to get access to these private parts and to these victims sooner is to be inside. It never kept me from sleeping. (laughs) 
if you want my answer, no, really, you have to use all the weapons that you can. It's already such an unfair, unfair, unfair fight, you know, and I'm not talking about the police, I'm talking about the children. And we are trying to fight for them. So any weapon, any tool that is available, I'm going to use it. John and his team in Brisbane plan their strategy. They have to tread carefully. The investigative techniques they're going to use are unprecedented. There are three objectives, each one a monumental task in itself. Number one was to identify as many child victims and producers as we could. The next strategy was to identify as many members of the board as we could during that process. The third task is a whole other story. It's become clear that the Love Zone isn't being hosted on Australian servers. It's in an unknown location, somewhere, anywhere in the world. And the final phase was to identify where the actual backups and the server was being hosted so that we could end uh, the Love Zone in its tracks. And that was essentially the mission briefing that we came up with. And to say that it was challenging and demanding and gruelling on the entire team would be an understatement. It was a, a very difficult chapter of all of our lives. It's a mission that will come back to haunt them all. But for now, pulling off this incredible sting means acting fast. It won't be long before Ski's absence is noticed. The board is full of suspicious and paranoid people hiding their dark desires. So the ruse has to be convincing. Libor and the Argos team have to persuade everyone else on the love zone that they are Ski. TLZ is a living creature. We have survived a lot of ups and downs. It's been a passion of mine for a long time, and TLZ is bigger than ever. For this to work, Argos will have to get in the head of the real Ski, Shannon McCall. They'll need insights into his mannerisms and hobbies, enough to buy them time to gather clues about his collaborators on the board. But how do you get inside the mind of a monster? Shannon McCall is processed and sent to Mount Gambia Prison. As prisons go, it's not the worst. It houses a few hundred inmates. Detective Steve Hegarty is back face-to-face with Shannon McCall. In a small room of the prison, McCall sits with his lawyer by his side, waiting for the questioning to begin. The Argos team will be listening back to this recording to gather any information they can to help them impersonate Ski. We're on. Okay. Time on my watch is 2.49. On Tuesday the 29th of July 2014, Detective Senior Constable Steve Hegarty of the Special Crimes Investigation Branch. This is the first time these interviews have ever been heard beyond a small circle of law enforcement agents. We've had to seek special permission from the South Australian courts to release them. We're here at Mount Gambia Prison at the moment. Um, to interview Shannon. Um, this relates to following your arrest on the 10th of June uh, 2014 by myself. Um, 
must remind you that you are under caution. Yeah. That is, you're not obliged to answer my questions. And anything you do say may, may be given in evidence. Do you understand that? Yeah. McCall's interviews revealed the inner conflicts and calculations of a prolific child sex offender. Well, when I, I, I've hated myself for years for this. Um, I didn't. Um, I looked for help. I didn't find any. Um, I never. I never went to work with kids for this to happen. It was never like I, I didn't want this to happen. Um, excuse me. Um, I, I learned from my work just what these kids go through. You know, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. Um, you know, I, I decided many years ago to never, never do this again. But but what? This is a completely different McCall to what you read of him when he's online. As Ski, he's proud and commanding. Now, he's painting himself as a victim. Someone who's suffering from an affliction that he has little or no control over. Tell me about the children, what we're talking about. Um, in what way? What, what do you no, want no. to know? Tell, tell me the children's names and tell me, tell me what happened. Um, sorry. The full horror of his crimes becomes clear as the interview goes on. As a state childcare worker, McCall abused a minimum of seven children, the youngest just 18 months old. These kids had been removed from homes where there were fears that they were being neglected or even physically and sexually abused. Then McCall got access to them. He abused these children. And he wanted a record of it. You took pictures yep. of you committing these acts against them, correct? Yes. And with some videos as well. Yes. With some, okay. What was the purpose of that? Um, originally, I guess it was just for me. Um, and then, you know, people that I spoke to would, would ask them. Um, so I made some stuff to them. The reality was a lot more calculated. Who were they? McCool abused his victims and then used his child exploitation material as currency to climb his way to the top of this hierarchy of perpetrators. He's very proud of his organisation and being the CEO and being in this position of power. He seemed to revel in that, and I've used the term and I don't think it's inappropriate, but he, he liked the rock star mentality within this community. Um, the way people would communicate to him was like they were talking to, you know, some, some idol, some hero. But now confronted with his crimes, McCall's CEO facade crumbles. Do you understand it's an offence? Does he even get that all of this is an offence? Um, I mean, we all know it. You just, I can't really explain how, you just put it out of your mind, I guess. I'd, I'd love to know how I did, but um, like it, it's, it's weird for me, like, I, yeah, especially working with the children I work with. Like, I, I don't like it. I don't like pedophiles as a soul. I don't, and, um, 
even from when I started, I've, you know, I, I think that's people I know are kind of shocked because I've, I've been pretty vocal in it. Um, so I don't know. I, I really don't know why. I, once again, I think it came down to loneliness, not having anywhere to go. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Sorry. It's hard to reconcile that this shuddering, mumbling wretch is Ski. McCall's lawyer eventually calls for a break. Um, can I just stop at this point? Yep. We need to have a chat to him. Okay. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Argos don't have too much to go off if they're going to take over his account and run the love zone. It's a very hard job to try and go online as those people, especially when you've had limited opportunity to research who they are and how they behave online, and to then become that person and pass yourself off as that individual, dedicating about as much time to it as they normally do, which, of course, you know, these guys are 24-7 concentrating on one thing. It's a really difficult task for the guys that do it. But time's up. They've got to log on as ski. Welcome to the Love Zone. Everybody's at you every day, asking for things, telling you things, wanting to know your opinion on things. And, you know, we were effectively just doing his job. Next time on The Children in the Pictures, Task Force Argos is secretly running the world's largest child abuse network using Ski's account. But some on the site aren't buying it. You should know this. Ski would know this. I don't think you're Ski. If you are Ski, prove it. And as investigators infiltrate the love zone, boundaries get blurred. You can't be just pretending for six months. At some point, you have to start really putting your real person in, otherwise it's just not going to go anywhere. This podcast is dedicated to all victims and survivors of sexual crimes against children and those that stand against the sexual exploitation of children. If you know a child in immediate danger, please contact police. Call 000. For non-urgent police assistance, contact 131 If you need immediate support, contact the Kids Helpline on 1-800-55-1800 or Lifeline on 13 11 14. For more information and help, go to childreninthepictures.org or head over to the ACE site, the Australian Centre to Counter Child Exploitation, accece.gov.au. This podcast is a listener production made by the Factual Original Podcast team. Head of Factual and Drama for Listener Original Podcasts is Jennifer Goggin. Co-produced in collaboration with DNX Media. Produced and reported by me, Akim Dev, and Simon Nasht. Sound design, composition, and audio production by Darcy Thompson. Production assistance and theme composition by Matthew Dwyer. Additional audio production by Michael Letho. Our series producer is Romy Scher. Fact check by Bonnie Lavelle. 
Factual original podcast executive producers are Belinda Lopez and Emma Lancaster. Queensland Police were consulted for this production. Thanks to Argos and the other global child protection agencies who shared their stories with us. Special thanks to Dr. Asa Kasbaum and Dr. Jacqueline Goldstein for their guidance and expertise. And if you're concerned about your own thoughts and feelings or behaviours towards children, there is support. Stop It Now is an anonymous Australian helpline that aims to support adults who have sexual thoughts about children to prevent offending. The helpline is also for parents, professionals, family and community members who come across child sexual abuse. If you're worried about an adult or young person's sexual behaviour offline or online, you can call the anonymous helpline on 1800 01 1800 or use a live chat or secure messaging service. To find out more, head to stopitnow.org.au.